and we're back again after another week off but we're getting back into the groove of things and it's becoming more consistent i promise you that um so like i said last time it was going to go like short episodes this one's going to be talking about manchester united we'll also recap quickly my um champions league group predictions from back in i think it was october when i made them um because obviously that ties in with kind of reviewing where united's at halfway through the season um so we'll talk this is going to be strictly about soccer uh strictly about mostly about the prem mostly about manchester united so like i'm gonna try and keep it short maybe around like 30, 40 minutes, depending on on what we kind of uh, get into here. Um, there should be also uh, before next week, before next Monday, there should be like a preview out for the Flames and what I think is going to happen in the North Division specifically in the NHL. Um, also, this, later this week, I'll be recording again with a couple of the guys uh, kind of just talking about the NBA season so far um so that might be out on the weekend as well so you're looking at this one coming out hoping to get it out tuesday um along with the other two coming out maybe like saturday and monday or or something like that because i want to delay the the nhl preview one as um far along as i can so we actually get a, a proper look at training camp and you know like if any injuries occur or anything like that just so when i do the do the preview it's done with the most recent and relevant information possible but yeah so let's get into united men it's been a it's been a crazy season the premier league in general is just like very crazy just uh literally like 30 minutes before i'm recording this right now liverpool just lost to southampton 1-0 and like that just kind of shows you how crazy the season is obviously liverpool have lots of injuries to their back line and stuff so um that's a big reason for why they've been struggling and but but yeah, like it's the season's just been been crazy, man. So um, obviously, with United starting off the Premier League season, had lost to three one to Palace, the Brighton game, which honestly, in all honesty, should have been a loss because the amount of times Brighton hit the post, um, as well as getting rewarded a penalty after the final whistle, like that was it was very lucky to even get a point, let alone all three points, and have that be a win. Um, that one should have been a loss. Um, the Tottenham game were, was just absolutely shambolic. And that was like the last podcast I think I did on uh, Manchester United as a whole. So, like, yeah, it was just absolutely shambolic. And kind of after that, they, it's been a turn of form after those three games. Since those three games, it's been uh, one defeat in the following 13, specifically in the Premier League, obviously. Uh, and that one defeat came to Arsenal, which was a cheap penalty that was given away by Paul Pogba. So, like, even then, that was a very cheap defeat and probably shouldn't have been. But, um, and, like, I guess even maybe after that Arsenal game, you can say it's been a turn of the corner. It's been, I think it's 10 games undefeated uh, in the Premier League uh, with two draws coming against City and Leicester, or Man-, Man City and Leicester, and obviously the rest being wins and beating teams from kind of all over the table, like Everton, is in the top four fighting as contender Southampton's fifth right now there they just beat Liverpool beating relegation teams like West Brom and Sheffield like teams you're supposed to beat in the mid-table teams so like Leeds West Ham Villa and Wolves so it's been uh like it's been beating teams all over the table and then you look at the three losses so far Palace and Arsenal who are uh, like mid mid table teams, like you can make the joke that Arsenal was a relegation fodder a few a few weeks ago, but after winning three in a row, they put themselves back into that uh, portion of the table. Oh, sorry for that little cutoff. There was a bit of a 
had a call coming that I had to respond to. But yeah, um, the losses came to say Arsenal relegation fodder um, a few weeks ago. They've done well to get themselves out of that. They're still obviously not really in the top half of the table yet. But, or actually, they might be. Let me just double check that. I don't want if any Arsenal fan listens to this. No, they're 11, so still in the bottom half of the table. So um, we'll still slew them. But that's been one loss. Tottenham, obviously, the other loss, which was a their top half of the table. I think they're fifth or sixth. They're now fourth. My bad, fourth. They're tied with City, Southampton, and Everton all on 29 points. And the loss to Palace, who sit in 14th. So dropped points against six teams this season. Um Two of them are bottom half teams and the other four are teams that we're pretty much fighting with. And like, it's, I guess it's a meme to call Arsenal bottom half, but as of right now, they still are bottom half, even though they've picked up nine out of nine points in the past week or whatever it was. But besides that, like you pretty much have been beating the teams you should beat Uh, the loss against Spurs hurt, but the goal difference in that was kind of um, what's the type right word for it? Not negate. I think negated or like wiped out with the the big six two win over Leeds, um, and like the loss to Palace coming off of no preseason really and just a month off after the Europe the Europa League uh, knockout tie. So it was kind of kind of expected that that wasn't going to go down the way it was. The Chelsea game. Uh, this is something I'll talk, kind of talk about too, or I guess we can segue into that now, but the Chelsea game dropped points in a nil-nil drop, but that's literally because Fat Frank just came to Old Trafford and parked the bus. And that's quite similar to what City did when they came to Old Trafford in December as well. They played with two defensive midfielders uh, in Fernandinho and, Rod- and Rodri. And that kind of just speaks to the respect United's attack is getting uh, based on what they were able to do when they were in the Champions League this season, knocking off Leipzig and PSG, and also just what they're capable of doing in terms of goal scoring. I think right now they scored the third most goals in the Prem this season behind, uh, or sorry, I stand corrected, second most goals only behind Liverpool right now. They were behind Chelsea, but Chelsea lost 3-1, whereas we won 2 one so we overtook them with that but yeah the second most goals in the prem it's a very high potent offense and it's getting the respect especially domestically with the way that city and chelsea set up um city sorry chelsea literally just parked the bus the whole game um city playing with two defensive midfielders speaks to the respect of the counter-attack which is the way that united play against these bigger teams that control possession a lot is you counterattack with the speed of Rashford and Martial, the passing of Fernandez, and when Pogba's playing, when he can make those passes from deep to catch people out on the run. So it's quite um, quite good, and um, it, it kind of speaks to how the, the shift from last season to this season and that United's attack is getting a lot more respect. Um, then the wins, comeback win over Everton, comeback win over Southampton, comeback win over West Ham. Um Comeback win over Sheffield United as well. Like this team, it's bad because you start the game really shitty, and uh, you can't always come back. And that that was shown with the Euro, sorry, the Champions League tie against Leipzig. If you start the game shitty, you can't always rely on a second half comeback. But again, domestically, it's been done already. Even with Newcastle, Newcastle and Brighton, they conceded the first goal against Newcastle, against Brighton, against Everton, against Southampton, against West Ham, against Sheffield conceded the first goal a lot of times and have still come back to win the game. So it's really good. And only three times in the Premier League so far have been um, 
no goal scored for United. Obviously, the Chelsea and City games, which ended nil-nil draws and very disappointing games to watch. The Arsenal game, which also should have ended nil-nil if it wasn't for a cheap penalty that was given away. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a real nice turn in the corner from United. Um, obviously, the Premier League now, I think, should become the main focus because of the drop into the Europa League. And that was a shambles. We'll talk about that and talk about their... The, their performance there and kind of why and how that happened. So the Prem, I mean, now you look at it. So Liverpool lost today. United are tied on points with them level on points of 33. Liverpool have a plus 16 goal difference. United only have plus nine. So that still holds Liverpool top of the league for now. Uh, we play our game in hand against Burnley next week on the 12th on Tuesday next week. So, depending on what happens in that match could possibly move up into top of the league before the Liverpool game at Anfield, which that's going to be one of the best games of the season so far. Cause realistically, regardless of what happens against Burnley for United, that game will be for first place because of being level on points. However, if United pick up a win against Burnley um, and so on, like it'll, they'll be tied. So like, uh, against the game against Burnley next week, a draw or a win will put United just like individually on top of the league. However, if they lose, they'll stay joint top, but in second place due to goal difference. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, um, Liverpool, crazy um, excitement for that game. That's going to be awesome. Uh, I hope we go to Anfield and I hope we just we play toe to toe with them because their defense today is a shambles, man. Henderson and Fabinho playing center back look so out of place together. They're great players, but they're mid, they're central midfield players. And Fabinho can do a job there, but Henderson looks so out of place. Trent's had a poor season going forward. He's put in the work defensively. Andy Robertson's had a really good season for them, though. But they still have Allison. But I I really think if we go to Anfield and we play toe to toe with them we can our offense can provide them problems not to say their offense won't also provide us problems as our defense is very shaky but Eric Bailly has really come in and done a good job there but um yeah it's gonna it should be a fun one man I'm fucking looking so forward to watching that game Sunday January the 17th it's been a long time since I've been this excited to watch a Premier League game and I'm just so fucking pumped for that um Getting on back to our defense, uh, obviously not that many clean sheets this season in general. Uh, the 6-1 game really kind of inflates our goals against in the Premier League. Uh, Maguire's put in a good effort since that game, and he's really played well. Obviously, he gets memed a lot, and his price, obviously, is not worth it. But the people that call him a shit defender and stuff, like, you're actually fucking stupid. Like, the what he did for the defense last season as well, conceding, I think it was 36 goals in 38 games or whatever it was. Um, and what he's done since the the Tottenham six one loss as well, he's he still has lapses in judgment, but for the most part, his positional awareness and his vocal ability, uh, it's good. And he's kind of sorted up the defense a bit. Luke Shaw and Alex Teas have been providing each other with competition. The in, the introduction of Alex Teas has kind of brought out more of the offensive side of Luke Shaw as well as he's putting in more crosses and he knows if he wants to be the first uh, name on the left back spot in the team sheet that he has to provide more going forward and he's done that so competition for places is really showing out there. Lindelof obviously has been great. Um, he I thought he's been one of the most underratedly consistent defenders. Um, obviously though he's had a major back problem bugging him for the better part of a year. And against Leicester when he was playing out of position as well and right back, he kind of 
uh, I think maybe flared it up and, and made it worse, which is why we haven't seen him since that game against Leicester. And I'm not sure when we will see him, but, um, but yeah, that's uh, unfortunate for Lindelof because he's that back problem he's had for a long time. And now it's, it is kind of holding him out of the lineup, but that's where Eric Bailly has come in and really shown he's come in since the, the league cup quarterfinal against Everton. Uh, he's started four straight games um, and he's really played well uh, game saving to uh, block against Aston Villa the other day. Uh, just fucking, if he can do that, like that would do wonders. Cause what Maguire needs is a pacey partner. Eric Bailly is very pacey, much pacier than Victor Lindelof. And although Lindelof's smart, he's not as good in the air cause he's not as aggressive. Bailly is aggressive, although he might miss a lot of headers and he'll put in some really, really dodgy tackles. He provides the pace to match up and, and really kind of complement Maguire's game a lot more than, than Lindelof. And if uh, Bailly can keep this going and stay healthy, it's a good competition at center back. Cause that's something we lacked with the over-reliance on Maguire and Lindelof, which have, has helped cause Lindelof's back problems as well. And then right back, um, Wambasaka, obviously, he's good um, one-on-one in defensive areas, a uh, great tackler. Uh, situationally, he's not the best. His situational awareness, his positioning, exam- prime examples are against the Leipzig, the Leipzig game um, when he let Angelino get behind him so much and he was a wing back and he kept tucking in. It's like, you don't need to tuck in, bro. You're playing five at the back for a reason. And I'll get into that when I talk about the Champions League because there's just so much wrong with the last few games tactically. But um yeah, Wan-Bissaka, and he can doesn't have much going for him offensively. Uh, obviously, I say that he got the uh, cross assist to Martial's goal against Villa on Friday, but he still you can't just point to one assist and be like, yeah, he can provide it. He hasn't shown he can bring that consistently, and that's where you have the other two right backs that are linked with United, Kieran Trippier and uh, Max Aarons. So Trippier, obviously from Atletico, he's potentially facing a ten match ban for. Uh, the betting breaching the FA betting rules and uh, Aaron's coming from uh, Norwich. So I don't know if both, like, cause they would be coming in here. It'd be like a Telus and Shaw situation. You're not going to be guaranteed first team time. You might be playing a game spe- in specific situations or certain circumstances. Like if you're playing against a low block, you might be playing cause you're better going forward. However, if you're if you're playing in a game where we're gonna have to sit back and absorb the pressure, Juan Basaka might be the preferred option. So, like, I don't know if Trippier would take that because I'm pretty sure Trippier is the first choice right back at Atletico right now. And obviously, with the Euros coming up in June, he's still in the mix for the right back spot, especially because of Kyle Walker's recent controversy uh, or alleged controversy. So, I don't know if he would accept that role of kind of coming in and possibly not playing as much as he could to impress Southgate and the England coaching staff, which could cost him a spot at the Euros. And he might not already be on the, the plane to the Euros, right? So I don't know if he would take that. Um, he could, because I, I know he's from Manchester, I believe, and he might want to move back to England. So that could be a possible reason, but I'm not too sure on that. And I think the smoke on that's kind of calmed down. On Max Irons, there's been no actual bid placed yet. It's just been vested interest. A move to... United could help his career, but also like, again, he'd be going from a starting right back on the, the team leading the championship right now to the backup right back, but it's not as, it's not a downgrade for him. It'd be an upgrade in terms of club, but a downgrade in terms of playing time, but I'm not sure about that. So I guess we'll see. Cause it's clear. Uh, we need a backup right back because when Juan Basaka was injured and missed out on the Leicester and the league cup game against Everton, we had to play Twan Zebe and Lindelof out of position at right back. Cause obviously 
Diego Dalo's not in Ole's plans because he's been loaned out to Milan. Uh, Fosu Mensa, even though he started the first game against Palace, and I think he's featured in the Champions League as well. He was, I was pr- I'm pretty sure there was no injuries or anything like that that kept him out of those two games, but he just wasn't preferred in those lineups. Um, and Brandon Williams, too, the right footed left back, who you'd think could maybe like possibly adapt to playing there. Ole didn't even want to try it. So that that kind of says a lot about uh, his trust in our current options and why they're looking for another deputy right back that could deputize when Wamsaka is not ready to go or when he's not preferred. So that's interesting. In the midfield, um, Donny van de Beek hasn't been playing as much, but you can't complain because Scott and Fred work really well together. Bruno is Bruno. He's going to play every single game, although he should be getting more rest. Pogba's really come into the side refreshed, and he's had some of his best performances. The Villa game was really good, apart from his last turnover. He had a great performance against Sheffield a few weeks ago. He's really been putting in chefs. Nemanja comes on and does his job. He's obviously not the player. like He doesn't have the legs he does, he would have when he was younger and at Chelsea, but he comes on and he does his job. So Donnie's going to be getting a bit like... Um, He's getting a bit shafted in terms of playing time, but with the fixture congestion and everything, I'm sure he'll get playing time. And uh, attackingly, like Cavani's done a great job. I remember I was spectacle about it, but I was more spectacle because we hadn't signed Sancho. Instead, we had got Cavani, or not like it seemed like Cavani was just like a pat or a panic buy to kind of just reinforce it. And he was injured for a bit, but he's done. He's done his job, and obviously he has a three match ban now. And I don't want to get into it because that's kind of. It's kind of ridiculous that he got banned for that um, three matches and find 100k when it's clear like that's not what his intention was at all. But yeah, I don't want to get too much into that. Um, Martial's re- recently put been scoring more, putting the ball in the net. He's been involved in a lot more goals, getting a lot more assists. Rashford, great player. His finishing's not been the best this season, but he still has I think 14 goals in all competitions, which kind of says a lot about him as a player. Um, yeah, and then. You know, it's uh, De Gea's benefited from the competition that Dean Henderson's provided him because De Gea's made some outstanding world-class saves, such as against Ollie Watkins on Friday, that header across goal. And yeah, so like this is, um, I think the game, last game kind of was your best, best squad on paper, which is De Gea starting the centre-back pairing of Maguire and Bailly, uh, Wambasaka. You can interchange Shaw and tell us again based on what type of game you're trying to play. Uh, Scott and Fred in midfield is kind of like the double pivot. Bruno and Pogba. Uh, Pogba kind of playing out on the left. Rashford on the right. Martial up top. Um, if you were to sell Pogba or whatever, you move on from him. You just put Cavani at the top, Martial left, Rashford right, and then the midfield three of Bruno, Scott and Fred, and that's your best uh, starting 11 on paper um it's insane the quality change between the start of the 2019-2020 season to the, where we are at this season um yeah it's just been like unbeaten now in 10 games uh, a big game against Burnley coming up next week uh, a point of any type which preferably should be a win would take them to top of the table heading into that crazy big game against Liverpool at Anfield and uh fuck man it's just it's been so long since been in this type of position this late and it's not even late into the season because still technically in the first half of the season but this far into the season so it's exciting do I think they can actually do it though no I don't think so I think they lack the quality uh, completely like the squad depth completely I think they still need a 
to really be true title challengers, they need another DM, um, a right wing, obviously, right back, and possibly another center back, just to really like sure shore up the squad depth and make it the best it could be. The reason, obviously, that they're in this as well is due to teams around them, like Liverpool's injury problems have hampered them. Man City, uh, Sergio Aguero's injury problems kept them from scoring goals like they normally would. But the fact of the matter is they're in second place right now, tied for first, and you can't make excuses for that. You have to give them credit where credit's due, and all it is there's credit for that as well. Um, but for all the praise for the Premier League performance, he also has to take the fall for the Champions League exit. And so before I get into just talking about United, let's just talk quickly about um, my Champions League predictions from way back when. Um, so I had uh, in Group A, so I'm just trying to get the paper in front of me. Group A, I had Bayern and, and uh, Atletico both going through, had them in the correct order as well. Group B, I had Inter Milan winning the group. They finished last <laughs> at Real Madrid in second. They ended up winning the group. So got Milan, Inter Milan wrong. Uh, should have been Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, group C, I had City winning the group, which they did at Olympiacos in second. They finished third. Porto finished second instead. Uh, group D, I had Liverpool and Atlanta one, Atlanta in 1-2, and that's the order they finished in. Uh, group E, I had Sevilla and Chelsea 1-2, but it was actually Chelsea first, Sevilla second. Uh, but same team, just a, same team, sorry, just different order. Uh, group F, Dortmund and Lazio in the correct order. Group G, Juventus and Barcelona in the correct order. Group H, I had Leipzig winning the group and PSG in second. It was the flipped order. So pretty good, honestly. I got, out of the whole uh, 16 that go through, I got two wrong. I got Inter wrong and Olympiacos wrong. Should have been munching glad back in Porto, but not not too bad. Not too off there. So now, like now, let's talk about uh, let's talk about United. Let's talk about United's Champions League performance. So open up in Paris, away from home, two one win uh, is deserved. They were the better team. PSG didn't really threaten that much. You take that win against last year's semi finalist, and you move on. Next week, you come home. You're playing Leipzig at home. Leipzig are attacking team and. Bro, in all of Germany in the Bundesliga, like it's an attacking league. Rarely do you have teams that sit back and park the bus. So they're going to attack no matter what. And uh, this game was, although the scoreline was 5-0, it was not a 5-0 game. Greenwood scored in the 21st minute to put us up 1-0. Uh, and then Rashford all the way in the 74th minute to make it 2-0. Uh, Leipzig did have some chances, but they weren't really all that threatening. And then they kept pushing bodies forward, and that's kind of what allowed for the rest of the goals to follow through and it turned into a five nil game, but like, I don't think that was a fair kind of a fair uh, assessment for on Leipzig. Like it's not like it was a five nil loss. It was, they pushed too many bodies forward, but that's the way they play in Germany. You know, there's not much, it's not a defensive league. It's more attacking football. Very rarely do teams sit back in Germany. And then, so this is like, you're at six points from six. You've beat theoretically the two hardest teams in the group. And by doing so, you've also had a goal difference of plus six at this moment in time. And in four games, it's kind of hard to make up a goal difference of plus six, like to, for them to kind of catch up to you. So all you have to do is pick up maximum points against Istanbul, and then you can drop the other two games to uh, PSG and Leipzig because of your goal difference, you would be able to go through anyway. So all you got to do is pick up maximum points against Istanbul. You Like after the 5-0 win, they're in the driver's seat. You know, United's in the driver's seat to qualify. 
All you have to do is beat Istanbul twice. Instead, we have that shocking performance in Istanbul where off the corner, there's nobody covering Demba Ba's one-on-one from the halfway line. Shoddy defense on the second one. We just weren't able to create anything. Martial got us back with a header, back in it, sorry, with a header. But that was that's the disappointment of this of this group. From match day two to match day five, this team was first in the group and finished third. Um, so the goal back then after international break, Istanbul comes to Old Trafford, who smashed them 4-1. Again, goal difference has been helped out tremendously here. You're now at plus eight goal difference. You have a home game against PSG and away game against Leipzig left. You need one point from those two games to qualify. If you can't muster up one point from those two games to qualify, you don't deserve to go through anyways. Uh, against PSG, you know, team selected was was done fair, was done properly. It was a proper team to select. Uh, let the first goal in, down 1-0. Okay, Rashford scores to make it 1-1 off a deflection off their defender. Um the Martial chance that he missed, like when he skied that, that's harder to sky that from that position than it is to put that in the net. And then the Cavani chip, which comes off the crossbar, Bruno gets the ball back, sets up Martial again. All you have to do is pick a corner. It goes in. Instead, he goes for power and it's straight at two players, the defender and the keeper, and it's deflected and it doesn't go. It didn't even go up for a corner because it went to Cavani who let it roll off his foot and out of play and it was just a goal kick from it. And when that happened, you just knew, like you knew 100%, like we're losing this game with the way that luck was. And then off of a corner, uh, ball played in, headed on, I think it was. And um, Marquinhos very close to offside. If he, literally like what Ole said was memed after that, oh, if he had a bigger boot, it would have been offside. But it's true. If his, if his foot size was one inch bigger and his boots on that line, like that's offside and that's how close it was. And then immediately after that, Fred gets sent off and the second yellow was very weak because he got the ball on Ander Herrera as much as I love Herrera for his shithouse tactics when he played for United. Didn't like him at that moment. And, um, but Fred was lucky to be on in the first place because of the first half incident he had, I think was, was Paredes where he uh, like the, the slide, the little like head, head, like I wouldn't even call it a head, but it's kind of like a lean in, but like, you know how it is in soccer, like any, anything like that. So normally all the time, 99% of the time, it's a certified red card. We got away with that with a yellow. And then you're like, okay, like Fred's going to get sent off. If he stays on the pitch at halftime, at least all it has to take him off. You had Pogba, Matic and Van de Beek on the bench. And instead for some reason, for, I don't know. And I, like to this day, this pisses me off because I don't know why, but Ole leaves it, leaves him on. And then immediately after, like, you can't even, like, yeah, it was a soft challenge, but he was lucky to be on in the first place. And the fact that you left him on until the 72nd minute when you hadn't made any subs up until that point and you could have put him on, it was just like, like, what the fuck, man? Like, all you had to do is take him off because not only is he then out of that game and we're now chasing that game against PSG for the point with 10 men and we all obviously went on to concede the third goal in stoppage time to Neymar but we also lose him then for the next week game against Leipzig in which we absolutely needed him and we absolutely needed a point and it's like like that's such a still brain scratching decision I'm not sure why he did that and like those three there's like four things there like the loss to Istanbul where the whole team played garbage and letting Demba buy in one-on-one from the halfway line there's Martial missing two sitters against PSG that would have clinched qualification into the knockout rounds 
there's Ole not taking Fred off. And then lastly, the setup against Leipzig. This makes no sense to me, man. Like, I get they worked the 5-3-2 against PSG away from home in the first game of the Champions League. But first of all, it was a different back three. Um, it was uh, Axel, Luke, and Lindelof because Maguire was, had a knock that game and didn't play. And then Telles and Wambasaka. This game, the back three was uh, Luke Shaw again, Maguire instead of Tuan Zebe and Lindelof. So these three haven't played together all this whole season. You add in Telles, who's st- uh, playing left wing back, and Wambasaka was playing right wing back, but kept tucking in for some unknown fucking reason. And it was just like a lot of miscommunication. And then you add in the fact that against PSG, there was the double pivot of Fred and Scott with Bruno up top. This time, you're going with five at the back. Why are you playing Nemanja and Scott sitting back? If you're playing both of them sitting back, like it makes no sense. And then you had Bruno and uh, I think Martial had a knock. Cavani had a knock. And the front two were Greenwood and Rashford. Like one of Matic or Scott should have been playing, not both. Pogba should have been playing in place of them. And instead, and then what made it even funnier, so they start the game off poor, it's 2-0. The 3-0 goal was disallowed in the 30th minute because it was offside. And I remember the commentators were like wondering why I was offside. And I was like, dude, fucking Willie Orban's like fucking five feet offside. How the fuck do you not see that? But yeah, anyways, and then uh, at halftime, Alex Tellis is taken off for Donny van de Beek. Right, so Luke Shaw shifts to left back. First of all, ridiculous. You're down two nothing. You take off your more attacking left back and you move your more defensive left back into the sole left back role as you revert to a back four. Like, where's the logic in that? You need more going forward. Telus provides more, and actually, like, I'm not saying Luke didn't provide anything as Luke has really pushed forward in his his game going offensively. But Alex Telus at that time is, would be the guy you kind of want have on so he can whip those balls into the box okay but you take him off this was also Luke Shaw's first game back in the squad after an injury I think he picked up was it against Everton before international break I think it was but it was like a month off he comes back he's unfit to go for the last 30 minutes and they bring on Brandon Williams the young right-footed left back to play your third choice left back is now playing in a game that you have to claw back and get a point in at least uh obviously then became close with Fernandez getting the penalty and Pogba, but it was just too little too late, man. Like you can't, you can't do that to yourself. You can't put yourself in that hole. Also Lindelof and Wambasaka were withdrawn for Twanzebe and Fosu Mensa. Makes no sense, bro. You had five subs. You still had, like I get, he doesn't provide that much anyways, but Igalo is still an attacking presence. You could have put him on to just get him in the box and, you know, whip balls at him. But instead you make your last two subs, two defensive subs. It, it didn't make any sense. And, so as much as he deserves the plaudits for, I don't even know if that's the right term, but it sounds like a sick word, but as much as he deserves the praise for the way United have been playing in the Premier League, Ole also has to take the fault for the fall in the Champions League, as well as clinical misses for Martial, um, the team just not being awake for Istanbul and Leipzig, but the setup against Leipzig was terrible. The um, tactical decision of not taking Fred off against PSG was absolutely horrendous. Um, the team not being ready to start against away in Istanbul and away in Leipzig on the team, but that's on the manager. And at least we've been able to turn this around to be, you know, competing in the Prem. And that's where like the next part comes in. I just feel like now that you're in the Europa League and you've drawn Real Sociedad, who arguably were the toughest draw as they were playing really well. And they were at one point first in the, in the Liga this season. Um, I just think, 
like it's a tough draw. Uh, I don't think we should prioritize that over um, the Premier League. I think this, if any year was the year where any team can win the Premier League, it's this year, and that includes United. Um, you just don't know what's happening. Like every week, different players are out of action because of testing positive and different teams and all this and stuff that you just need to keep your strongest players fresh for the Prem and just push on in that. Like, yeah, winning the Europa League would be nice for sure, but winning the Premier League would be better. If you can focus on that more and kind of like rest your guys or play your your second team, your youth guys in in the Europa League to give them experience, I don't think that's what we'll do but it's what I would do. And then obviously now the Carabao Cup uh, semifinals on Wednesday against Man City and FA has approved five substitutions for it. I feel like we will see the starting start strongest starting 11 possible because they've had a five-day rest since the Villa game, which was on Friday. And then I suspect for the FA Cup game, which was on Saturday against Watford, you'll see more of a rotation side that will allow them to then play the strong side again against next week against Burnley and then they'll have four days rest before Anfield. So my expectations for the rest of the season, I think like United, it'll be nice for if they mount a title title challenge in nature. I'm just not overly optimistic about any of my sports teams. So for that reason, I think they, they won't do it. I think city will come from behind and kind of take over um, and go on a hot run. But I think United are more than capable of getting a top three finish, especially. But we'll see how that goes. Um, in in the Europa League, I just I don't know. Uh, it depends what approach is taken. If they play their players and if they can get through Real Sociedad, you should be expected to win that competition. However, Sociedad's a really tough draw, and I'm not sure if they will be able to get past them. So we'll see how that goes. That's in middle mid February, end of February, February 18th and Feb 25th. They're both legs against against Sociedad and then uh, Carabao Cup. So hopefully we can win the semifinal tomorrow to get through to the final. But I don't know. We'll see. It's a, it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse Cup anyways. And then the FA Cup, uh, first game for United in the FA Cup this season on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. I expect them to play rotation side that day, round three of the FA Cup. And we'll kind of see how that goes because I'm not not too sure, right? I mean, in the League Cup, too, to, um, haven't conceded yet through three games. Hopefully, we can keep that up against City. It's also our first home game of the League Cup, so I don't know. We'll see. Like, I think the way to just review this right now, the way the way United went out of Europe is disappointing. The disappointing part is not losing to PSG or Leipzig. Those are two really good teams. One was a finalist. The other was a semifinalist. Um, but the disappointing thing is when you beat them, in your first opening two games and all you had to do is beat Istanbul twice and you couldn't. And that's, that's why it's the way they've gone out. Then obviously then with the misses against PSG, the red card, the poor start against Leipzig before kind of clawing a comeback and giving false hope is the way the European exit went was really shitty. Um, the premier league has been absolutely great so far. Uh, like, I hope they can keep pushing on and get the results they need and really mount uh, mount a title challenge. Am I overly optimistic about it? No, but I do think um, it's exciting to watch. And that's what you want as a sports fan is you just want to be excited by your team and have, have that hope. And um, as for like other cups, um, Carabao, we'll see how the semifinal goes. Um, City's going to be a tough game again. 
We have the FA Cup on the weekend. Should be able to get past Watford, but you never know, especially if they're rotating the squad. And then the Europa League. See where we are with the Premier League by the time the Europa comes and see what's more important to focus on. If you kind of fall off the Premier League, then maybe going with a stronger squad to win the Europa League would be a bet. But if you're in the midst of a, of a, a tough title fight in the Premier League, like, a, like kind of we are right now, then maybe you kind of rotate the squad for the Europa League and rest your rest your big guns. But it's it's been definitely a fun season, man, so far. Uh, it's fun to watch, apart from obviously the 6-1 loss and the, the tough, disappointing Champions League exit. But the past past month has been, since the Champions League exit, has been quite um, enjoyable. And hopefully United can keep pushing on because it's really fun to watch. And yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, uh, and also before the... Champions League resumes the knockout rounds. I will do a prediction and I'll just throw in like a cheeky aggregate score too. And then we'll review those as the knockout rounds progress. But yeah, um, expect another episode, another two episodes sometime within the next week. One being a preview of the Calgary Flames and the other being a preview or just talking about the NBA. And um, yeah, then we'll slowly work back. So it's been kind of all over the place, but then we'll slowly work back into weekly Thursday uploads. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Make sure to follow it um, on Instagram, Top Waffler Podcast, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, share it around, all that good stuff. And if you ever want to be on here as well, just shoot me a message and we'll figure something out. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed and I'll talk to you guys next time.